Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Let children read whatever they enjoy, whatever they love. And if if you're trying something and they're like, "Oh, I'm so bored. I hate this." try something else because I used to think you know I mean I'm a mom so of course I want to educate my child and expose them to certain things and so I'm like read this you know and he's like but I don't want to <laughs> I want to read about the Avengers or I want to read a comic book or I want to um you know I just want to read about dinosaurs whatever I want to read and so now I'm just like you know what if the aim is getting him to love this why not let him read whatever he wants and then he Little by little, as I have other things around him, that love will lead him into different directions. You know what I mean? You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. So, Ala Kay, published author, Dope Black Mom of One. Amazing to have you here all the way from Trinidad. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me, Nina. Yeah, so Zoe and the Forest of Secrets. Is it fair to describe this book as a Caribbean fantasy adventure? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's it's a Caribbean fantasy adventure. It's really set in the Caribbean because it's set in nature in the Caribbean as well too. So it's Caribbean kids in the the landscape of the island on the run from really strange (laughs) creatures and really mysterious adults. And um, yeah, forming a friendship on the way, you know? Yeah, well, this is our current bedtime read. And I know you've, yeah, I know you've listed it as nine plus, but I have a six and a four year old and we are loving it. Everyone's really engaged and it's really, you know, it's just a nice, a nice bedtime adventure. So it's just, it's really, really nice. And that it's set where it's set, you know, just makes it all the more special. So I just wanted to understand, when did you actually write this book? Okay, so this book was written over many (laughs) years. And, you know, people say that and you think, okay, maybe two or three. Mm. Oh, no. Oh, no. I started this book. I got the idea for the book around the time when my son uh, was was being born. And that was in 2014. Mm And so it's been a project off and on that I've been working on ever since then. Immediately, I was like, how has she done this? How have you written and published a book with such a young child? So that's I don't know. And, and that's the thing. It, it takes forever. It took forever. I had a lot of help along the way. I mean, and his story and my story was even more miraculous than that because my son was born uh, severely ill with severe liver disease and... Uh, so that plunged us into a whole journey, right, of hospitals and specialists and transplant yeah. centers. And so the idea that from that we can get to this point where he can mm-hmm. read my book and as well, I mean, miracle is the only way. I, I love, it. I love mm-hmm. it. And and off air, you mentioned that you were inspired to write this by the tenacity of your son. And you wanted to write something for him. Does he recognize himself in the book or like his? um... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting. He recognized, he's shocked, first of all, and really 
just tickled pink that mummy's name is oh, oh, okay oh, so oh, he's oh, yes. he all these other books on his bookshelf and then he picks up this one and he's always looking at it like but that's yeah, my name you know? and, and that really moves me but then i mean he, he i don't think he recognizes himself directly because that isn't how the inspiration panned out you know it's like his essence his uh stubborn will to live yeah. his and then also too i think just the general experience of going through a deep dark challenge and then coming through it on the other end change i think that's really what's in the book and hopefully when he's older he'll yes. recognize some of those you know what yeah. when i was thinking about this podcast that moment you just explained i really was like i need to talk mm. to you about this there's nothing, nothing can prepare you for a sick child, especially your own sick child. Just what that takes it changes you a little bit, doesn't it? It changes everything. It changes your whole outlook on life. Um, I suppose it's just does. a journey through all of that, the dark, dark bathroom floor moments to the realization of we're going to, we're going to make it. I can see some light. <laughs> this is, we're going to be okay. Yeah, no, I think. I think any major uh, trauma, I mean, people have written books about this, right? It really does change people. And so I think I realize now, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful in hindsight to realize that people who have gone through sicknesses themselves or the loss of a loved one, uh, it really is like an island, mm. that feeling. You really do not feel in that moment like everyone around you is in the same mm -hmm. space right it, it, it's sometimes you have to meet somebody who's going through something themselves and then you can kind of throw a rope to their island and connect but generally you can feel very isolated you know uh i was fortunate in having family and friends to support but initially that very initial moment of realizing how sick he was and being in the hospital with him it's a mm. game changer but the the journey it's hard to even just encapsulate this in a short way but i will try the journey for me ended up being a major journey mm. of faith because starting off i had grown up in a religious environment in a religious home and with faith-filled parents but i wouldn't say that i had necessarily internalized that for myself mm -hmm. Right. I had I had a lot of different questions. And of course, I still have questions. But the, the let's put it this way. I met this surgeon at a transplant center with my son. I had driven two hours by myself to the center and I was meeting the surgeon. And he said to me, I was trying I was trying to grasp at a bit yeah. of hope. And I was saying, OK, maybe he won't need a transplant one day like people seem to think he will maybe the medicines that he's on will stabilize him and we could just survive you know and the surgeon was like ma'am <laughs> you know i think he felt like it was his job to, to really just to snap me yeah. out of my yeah to snap, no to snap me out of what he probably thought was a bit of denial and so he said there is no way there is no way every child who has any version of what he has needs at some point to have a transplant they don't or they don't make it and I remember walking back to the car, yeah. just tears streaming down my face, having to make the two-hour drive back with my son. And now I look at that moment when he started to get positive test results, when it started to turn around. I didn't even believe yeah. what was happening. I thought it was just fluctuations in his test results. I didn't. Re it never dawned on me that I was in the middle of That's a That's so interesting. And so, That's so interesting. Yeah. And it can work both ways. 
can't it? Like you, mm-hmm. you can, whether it's a, a positive change in your life or a negative change, it does take a moment to realize mm-hmm. like you're actually in it. Yeah. What's happening. happening. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, welcome. You- welcome to you both and the family <laughs> on the other side. And now, now what is it Thank like? You. Now what's life like? Now life is just a daily journey of okay so there's the realness of life right so there's the being a mom i can't speak for anybody else but for me is a mix of everything it's the sublime and the very very uh crazy it's it's mess everywhere and it's no time for yourself or very little time for yourself and noise and it's also realizing every day oh my gosh i i have this this is my child (laughs) here they are and so that just got heightened so you know i do still have challenges i still have lows i still have uh loneliness i still have uh fears like everybody else but the gratitude quotient is really Mm. really heightened because i'm reminded even in those moments i look at him and i have to be like oh i'm grateful we're standing right now yeah yeah i'm grateful we're here always for me it feels like everything you've just described and then every so often it feels like you're Mm -hmm. sitting on a park bench and just the sun has broken through the clouds and it's just shining on you and like and we're here exactly. i know exactly I, I i try and hold on to those moments and then chaos, and chaos. Ends again. Yeah, totally. then chaos. <laughs> absolutely okay yes. yeah. so in the book the children all work together mm. to to battle these hybrid creatures and these dangerous adults who try and use them and and their powers why was why was this so important to you these these themes that keep on running through the book well i grew up loving these books i mean to be honest i still read these books i still read the books i read sometimes when i was 10 you know i go back to them because there was something really profound about adventures and Mm. magic and fantasy that still helped me see like aspects of what it is to be human and the the, the you know what it is to make mistakes and to not be the best person at the beginning of the story but then go through some transformative process and by the end of the story you're really different there's there's a real pull uh for me to those kinds of stories and so when i went to write the story that's what came out but i had never read stories let's put it this way i've never read fantasy adventures like this set in my yes. island or set among people that I knew, you know, or kids that looked like me and my friends or my son and his friends. And so that and when was you pitched this me. idea of this fantasy adventure happening based in Trinidad, was there any negativity? <laughs> well, I never pitched it. Okay. I just see. <laughs> That's a good way out. Like if you think there's good, just don't tell people, just hide and do it. But I just did it quietly for years. I didn't expect negativity and to be honest I haven't really found it it's just that it took a while to find mm-hmm. a home you know everybody I shared when I eventually did start sharing it with say uh editors or people in publishing I think people themselves were grappling with you know uh who is this because okay let's put it this way the publishing industry is based in metropoles in New York in London in places that are outside of the Caribbean and so if we're coming to those doors and we're knocking they may legitimately ask you know 
who is this for? Like, is this going to really appeal to the people we think of as our audience? I know it will, but they don't necessarily know. So we had some of those, um, I think, encounters before finding nights. Mm-hmm. On. What a oh. lovely home to be at. Oh, ask me about nights Tell off, me about man. They, <laughs> you know what they teach me? They're still teaching me this. And I, I just want to carry this lesson forward with me. Like, maybe we stop asking for other people to make way for us and asking for other people to open their doors for us. Maybe we build our own houses. Mm. How about that? Maybe we get together in every field that we're in in any endeavor and we get you know one or two like-minded folk together and we build our own and then we don't need to necessarily knock in the same way on other people's doors asking them to let us in you know and that's what nights of represents for me they're they're a powerful game-changing group of women who were like okay we knocked and we knocked and so now we're building our Just- own house and invite other Just people incredible, in. incredible. I'm going to put links to yeah, so them. that everyone, if you don't know about them, we can find out about them. Check yes, them out. Yes. So we talked about the hybrid creatures. Right. What I also wanted to understand is your journey with reading. What was it like for you? What did you, I know you talked about obviously being interested in fantasy, but being, but being brought up in Trinidad, what was access like for you? What sort of stories inspired you? What was your reading yes. journey? I loved and love reading. Uh, I was fortunate in that my parents read to us from, they say from in the womb, mm-hmm. right? And so, and I was, so my dad loves, especially loves books, my mom too, but my dad just surrounded us with books of every kind. So, I mean, books that were definitely not for our age group, but they surrounded us anyway. And um, philosophical books and theological books and fiction. And one good thing I would say in coming from a smaller place in the world, coming from an island, we always, uh, it's it's a catch-22, we always looked outward. So there's always a sense of, huh, there is for sure a bigger world beyond these shores. Now, the plus side of that is that we really were exposed to things from around the world. So fiction, because the people in Trinidad as well are from yes, different parts yes. of the world. Trinidad's very it made like sense that, that super um, mix up, big melting pot mix melange yeah. of people from everywhere. And so it made sense that you know it didn't feel strange to read an Indian author from from India or an right. author from the continent from Nigeria or anything like that. that didn't feel strange. It felt mm-hmm. normal. So that was good. The downside of looking outward so much is I must say only when I grew older did I begin to really delve into Caribbean writers right. and start thinking more about huh these fantastic stories can come and do come Mm. and have come from right where Mm. I am Mm. you know I don't always have to look outside Mm. well is there any advice or tips you could give to mothers listening who are looking to get their own children into reading yes my advice is so pragmatic (laughs) I'm like let children read whatever they enjoy Mm -hmm. whatever they love and if, if you're trying something and they're like, oh, I'm so bored, I hate this, 
like try something else because I used to think you know I mean I'm a mom so of course I want to educate my child and expose them to certain things and so I'm like read this yeah. you know and he's like but I don't want <laughs> I want to read yeah. about the Avengers yeah. or I want to read a comic book or I want to um you know I just want to read about dinosaurs whatever I yeah. want to read and so now I'm just like you know what if the aim is getting him to love this why not let him read whatever he wants and then he little by little as i have other things around him that love will lead him into different totally and now there is so much content and so many writers that i'm sure you could find um like the avengers play football like there's just so many mix-ups so many different things happening that I used to think this, like, let's read this historical book and let's do this and let's do that. And then you kind of like look at them zoning out. But there's so many different ways to engage children and still find the things that we love. I think it's just a little bit of research on our end because it might not be, you know, the obvious, the obvious spaces, but but they are there, these books. Like your book, it is an obvious space. But it is now there. We do have a Caribbean fantasy, sci-fi, you know, fantasy adventure. That's we fun. Got it. It's there. It's there. One of many of to come, hopefully, from many other people. Which is great. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, it's, it's kind of what um, film and TV and even plays like Hamilton exactly. have shown, right? They take, they can take very uh, deep concepts or they can take, you know, even physics and astronomy and uh, history and just by packaging it in um, music and entertainment, make it something that kids this love. That's exactly what I'm trying to say, yeah. My kids know about um, like varied music from the movies Sing. Like they know about... I love, I love that. Sing. Yes, my son is watching Sing I too right Sing. now. I, I right love Sing. Now. But it introduced you to like Stevie ah. Wonder, but also Elton John. Like these are real yes. musicians, great music that they're now singing along. Like it's you know, this is my favorite song now. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, we don't have to get hung up on. Um, it it doesn't have to come in a particular. Um, yeah, package. and I think that's definitely changed yeah. Yeah. since we grew up. That definitely wasn't For there. Sure. So I just think it's it's a it's a nice, it's a fun time to be in right now for for trying for education in kind of different ways. It it is, it is. And even for just uh stories for like younger children from all around the world. I mean, I now go and I'm maybe more interested in picking up all those books in the bookshelf and reading them for myself because my inner child is excited and happy to read like that, you know, and to see the um, fantasy stories that are coming out of like different mythological traditions and I'm having fun. (laughs) So hopefully he will feel that. Yeah, do you um, carve out space for yourself to read, like just for fun, just for pleasure? Oh, child, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you know what it is. It's so important, isn't it, as a mother, and especially if you're working in this industry. I I work in film and TV, and sometimes I sit there like I can't watch anything. But it Uh, it is important, isn't it, to just nurture the things you love, but also find time for yourself, especially as a mother. So you actively carve out time. Listen, it's so necessary. Everything you just said is so true. 
And yet I want the moms out there to know that they are not alone, just like you as well. Like I struggle. I know the things I know that I'm supposed to take care of myself Mm -hmm. first because I can take care of him better. And every time I do it, eh? every time I take a minute and, you know, read or have, you know, take Mm -hmm. exercise or whatever, I'm like, yes. I am so every, refreshed. I am so better able time, to show up for Every him. single time. I feel every in my time. blood, I'm a better mother. <laughs> I can feel it as I walk. I, I know am. that. But in every the <laughs> second after every time I have that realization, yeah, I think I must keep on doing this. And then I forget again. Or I, or I, it's, I don't forget. Absolutely. I don't prioritize it. And then again, right. so difficult to stay on track. So do, do you have any tips or... Anything that helps you mm. stay on track? Mm, I get off track so easily. You know, you know what I would say though. Yeah, and maybe this will. Ha- this does help. I was talking to my friend the other day, also a mom, and she was talking about going on a diet. She's about to go on a diet again, and I was like, oh, really? You know?" And I was trying to support her in it while also saying, "You know, maybe don't," <laughs> because I think it's the same thing. Like what you're asking about. Maybe it starts with taking away some of the guilt even about not not putting yourself first like you know all the things you're supposed to do even in terms of how you know prioritizing yourself but even when you're not be gentle with Mm. yourself be gentle like be so the way the kindness and the gentleness that I try to extend to my son or to even friends like I'm able to to be so compassionate with my friends give a little bit of that to yourself because that's where it starts. And from that place of compassion, you might find enough energy to be able to do one of the five things that you know you could be doing, yeah. you know, to take care yeah, of yourself. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And then it kind of spirals, doesn't it? Once you do one thing, hope you're like, yes, it's fine. I'll go and do this. Yeah. I'll go and do that. A little crack yeah, in the door. It's just staying on track. Yeah. So what is next in your world? What, what's, what's coming on the horizon that you can share with us? So I am writing the sequel Fabulous. because Zoe is a series yes. and Night of has, has committed definitely to the second book that's supposed to come out next year. Did you plan it to be a series? Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a big dream. And, and I rate you for that because it's big enough Thank to think you. I'm going to publish a book and actually do it. But then to think I'm going to do a series. That's really big dream. That's a God thing because I'll tell you a secret. The second, the ideas for the second book dropped into my mind before the first book, which is, is I'm so grateful for now because now, you know, I have less, you know, time and energy and I have to really get the second book out, but I have at least a plan and the ideas for it because it came first Mm. in my mind. And now going into your second book, what have you learned from your first mm-hmm. book? Is anything you're taking in to this experience kind of with wider eyes? 100%. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, so I, I wrote uh, stories for adults for much of my mm-hmm. life, right? And most of my writing were short stories and for older writers. And it would be very intuitive. So I would get a fragment or a sound or an image, um, music or something, and then follow that over time to find the story. And it took a long time. And it was, you know, it's it's a very different process. For this, I realized, you know what? It's okay to plan. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I used to think a plan was very rigid. I thought it wasn't me. But well, it's as in okay. like a plan would kill creativity. 
right yeah that's maybe maybe i just felt that way without saying it to myself and now i'm like listen plans save <laughs> lives you can then ditch parts of the plan you can like you know thick thighs that's save it. lives plans also <laughs> save lives you can you can ditch parts of it you can change it but it's good to have some idea of where you want to go you know that's one of the things yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's also another yeah. kind of um self-care tip isn't it it's okay to change your mind, mm-hmm. but great to have a plan. And then if it changes, it changes. It's okay. Let's not stress about it. It's okay. God, such a journey. You have to stress. Yeah. So <laughs> now with all your experience yeah. in writing, um, with children's books and huh. in adult books, do you have any advice for mothers listening who might be interested in getting into writing? Hmm, definitely. I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I got asked this and it, it, you know, I'm glad because it got me to reflect. That's nice to have that moment. Yeah, because sometimes we're, we're, we're living and we're just going day to day, but we don't often get the chance to even think about the journey we've been on, right? Um, I think it's like motherhood in that uh, there's a certain gritty realness to the experience that we don't often share openly with each other. Okay, so I, I'll ask a mom I don't know, you know, how are things going? Things are fine. Okay, how are things actually mm-hmm. going? Because motherhood and parenthood and life mm-hmm. is messy. And I feel the same thing about writing. It's like there may be a veneer to the arts in general or to entertainment where people just see finished products, but they don't necessarily know that it's gritty oh and goodness. messy. In and beforehand. none of it happens overnight. <laughs> and it is hard work. So much rejection. It's brutal. It is soul destroying. I, yeah. Oh, Nina. No, I hear you. So, in the day, I work as a talent agent and daily, I think there's a week that goes by, they don't have a client who calls and calls up and cries. I have to do a kind of, we get, we as agents get tons of rejection and then I have to pass that on to the actors who haven't booked. Um, And then when, when they do book, they're crying for joy. It's just so much yes. emotion constantly. And then, of course, the job's over and we're back. We're back again auditioning. And it's this yes. constant emotional gymnastic roller coaster constantly, every yes. day. And yes. um, it's difficult. And I'm, I'm so glad you shared that because I feel like, like with everything, right, if people get a more open view of what it's really like you don't feel so alone Mm. in the process if you're in it or you're in a different stage let's say you're not published yet or you're just starting to write you don't feel like you're crazy you don't feel like you're a failure like you are just another human who's having a fairly similar experience to some other human out there in the same field so definitely i i i that's that's me my my thing my advice would be keep writing um and find a way to make rejection your friend find a way or at least not your enemy find a way to make rejection not crush you but be something that you 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 take as um kind of fuel Mm. okay so i got another no well that means i need to send something out again right so let me work on it improve in areas where i need to improve and send out again because really the only difference that I can see between me having this book published and 
any number of my incredibly talented friends, writers that I know around me who are yet to publish their book, the only difference is just a matter of time and persistence. And as so, as long as they keep sending their work out and they keep working on it, they will have that breakthrough. I don't know when, but it will happen. The only person who's not going to see that yes is the person who hasn't seen the hundreds of no's that they needed to get to the yes. And it sounds like, okay, maybe maybe that sounds a bit cliched, but it's just real. It, it, it is real. It is. I really don't think people understand yeah. the hours and years that go into this. I think they see people getting published. Congratulations. You or they see, the see end somebody in a film and they haven't seen them before, so they think they've made it overnight. And it, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. Just so much energy goes into it. And I don't think people can see that. So I think it's really good to talk about it and maybe find other mothers who are writing or other people who can, who can connect yes. with. Because again, I tell some of my actors this, like maybe your friends and family, as much as they mean well, they may not understand the stakes mm-hmm. of what you're doing, of why this rejection has crossed you. Like, we'll just send it again. Yeah, but like, yeah, but it was this published on the you know, you know, when you get into your head, these are the only people that can publish my book. Um, and, yes. you know, some people just can't connect. And maybe, maybe your family, you know, isn't your, isn't your partner in crime for this part of your life. Correct. Like, you need to find people who mm-hmm. get it and, and share and lean on them because just yeah. tricky. You need a safe That's space it. to share. You need a safe, and it, and it, and actually, the safe space. Don't get too worried because it doesn't need to be multiple mm. people. It could be one right That's person. It. But you need a safe space to share, and you need a safe space uh, for someone to 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 validate what you're doing. Because the other thing, I mean, you are, by telling me your talent agent has told me a lot. Because uh, in general. Uh, the arts are valued when they're making money, right? But like, in again, the end result, when they're an actual product. But most of us as artists, before our stuff gets to the stage of a product, it's it's what you're creating. It's art. It's just your ideas. It's your dreams. It's a, it's a fantasy. It's an image. And who's going to validate that for you before someone is able to say it costs this amount and you get this amount of money? You have to validate that for yourself and you need at least one person who can say, yes, what you're doing makes sense. What you're doing has value. Keep going. You know, you need that. Mm-hmm. You need it. Yeah, or you'll yeah, give up. You, you will. You'll and it will up. just feel overwhelming. And it, and it really will mm-hmm. feel like a mountain that you can't, can't pass. So that is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful advice. <laughs> Thank you. But can I ask you, how did you get into the field that you're in? I went to stage school when I was younger um, Mm -hmm. and I trained in professional dance and musical theatre and worked um, for about 17 years as a kind of a model mainly um, and then some backing vocals um, and a dancer. And then when I had my children and shout out and salute to any mothers who are doing this. I know plenty of mothers who are doing this. I personally couldn't see how I could still freelance to the level I was doing. I was traveling a lot. I was actually doing very well. Um, So it meant that I had to travel a lot. I couldn't see how I could do it to work to that level and parent and mother to the level that I wanted to, to the 
to the effort yes. that I wanted to put in, the, t- the energy I wanted to put into. And saying this, I've seen, I, I have, I, what's interesting is I now protect mothers. So in contracts, I write in spaces, <laughs> you know, we need a space to breastfeed. She needs to have her nanny or uh, accompaniment when she's traveling. Yes. She needs this, we need this, we need to take some time out here. We need to put in this clause because she is pregnant. You know, all these things, I do that, but I know how overwhelming yes. I found it when I was, trying to stay as a talent whilst mothering. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've, I personally then moved into agenting, but I, again, I have women who are backstage breastfeeding. I have, I've seen makeup artists with slings on working. It is very, yes. very possible. And I now help make it possible from, from the agent point of view. I personally just, just couldn't see how I could do it. But yeah, that's how I got into yeah. it. So I was in front of the camera for years um, and now I'm behind it. Yeah, you know it from both sides. I do. That's an amazing thing yeah. and a necessary thing, I think. Yeah. Because it brings a different, particularly as a mom, it, it must bring a different insight into what actually, people actually need. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. The little things that maybe someone can't pick up on or maybe production just don't have the space to think about they just didn't think about it yeah yeah. I can do that and and it makes me very very happy that I can do that and you know and again that in that sense it is all changing the world is getting more inclusive and more thoughtful and more caring which is great um but I think it's largely because of people like you and Knights Over I think once I mean sometimes uh I know that I push and hope for a lot more representation in the front, right? In in books or in who is actually playing roles and all of that. But without more inclusivity in the gatekeepers and in the advocates, the change, that's where you need the change. Because once you have advocates like you guys and gatekeepers like you guys, you actually know what people need and you actually see the world in a way that makes things more open and inclusive in a real way. Totally. So that's where we need some major change. And I'm happy that it's happening. I agree. Yeah. And honestly, having done both, now being on this side, the mm. language that I hear daily is um, <laughs> incredible. Like I've got somebody who's who's going on to this kind of end of the world type story and she's walking around in rubble and it's all doom and gloom and there's like, you know, um, it's completely uh, deserted. And Mm. the creative team were like, you know, we wanted to have like, you know, wispy hair, like she's really distressed. And I was like, okay, I have to stop you right there. Wispy yep. hair. This is a black woman is you're talking that what to. My, what my hair does when it's distressed? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, you can have a black woman in a dystopian no. space with distressed right. hair. I, I know what you mean. I think you, you're thinking of a Caucasian yeah. one with a messy bun and she's really stressed out. But I was like, yeah. that's not, first of all, our Afro hair is not going to react like that. You're not going to get this whisper you're looking for. And, yes. and a, a black woman would never be in a position like that. Uh, not that you can't be at the end of the world and save the world. I was trying to explain that you would have some sort of protective style in, you would braid your hair back. Like for many mothers I know, when you know you're going, yeah, when you know you're going in to have your baby, you do something. Get the breeze. Exactly. Hey. See, that's what I was yes. trying to explain to the producer that it's not a glamour thing and it's not a, um, 
it's not a status thing. It's not showing that she's got money because she's got her hair done. Because I was trying to explain, it's still fine for this to be the end of the world. But but everybody would do a little braid. Like, right. you, you just wouldn't be here. So that sort of situation happens to me weekly, where I sit there and just yeah, like, and it's, what it's is happening here? To me, it's huge because these are the things that keep people in or out of rooms, right? Or these are the uh, visions that end up becoming limiting. And I honestly, maybe I'm naive a bit still, but I don't believe that very many people are trying to be overtly either racist or exclusionary. I think that people, however, are not realizing that like all of us are coming from spaces and contexts that shape how we see things and how we see the world. So something as simple as thinking that this kind of hair is going to show this emotional state and then you're, you know, you just didn't, your mind is just not uh, necessarily grabbing hold of how another group's hair is going to be treated in that same emotional or um, uh, that same world context. And that simple thing might limit subconsciously whether you think this person is really representing the role in the best way or whether you're still looking for someone to fit that role that has fit that role for you before mm. in growing up you've seen and what makes sense to you and so it's just a matter of like let more people in the room yeah man. yeah but, the, but but this is this Good. this is exactly what you're doing with your books mm. have, oh, have no but it is though having these ideas that we haven't seen before having these characters battling these themes mm. that we understand we understand good and evil we've never seen it set in trinidad Mm. seeing changing this narrative seeing that oh like oh, okay you can have an adventure set here some people i'm sh when i was doing the research i was like it is great to keep on saying the caribbean but we are in trinidad like yeah, you know what i mean some yeah, people might just not even understand that and i was like <laughs> e even this is great you know it's great to just open up the thinking the conversation Wow. Well, I'm grateful for that. And it, you see, it came naturally. I honestly didn't think about it that way. It's just the story that came out of me because of, I, I, this is my, my particular background, you know, and that's, what's cool too. Like, you know, um, I just invite everybody. I mean, I'm probably preaching to quiet here because <laughs> this is dope black moms. But, you know, for anybody else who might have wandered in and these conversations are conversations that maybe have been heard before and you're like, oh, the diversity conversation. To me, it's not even about that. It's just the more people you encounter, the more stories, the more worlds, the more backgrounds, the more visions and perspectives. Like, how amazing talk about dope right mm. like how cool could it be we are so we're missing out man we're missing out but not for long things are it stops now it yeah. stops right it's yeah, stopping you're changing. stopping it yeah yeah oh thank you so much for coming onto oh. the podcast thank you so much for sharing and for just thank being you. here and and writing the book and 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 everything it took you to get to write to the book because i i know I can imagine some of the blood, sweat, and tears that it took to get there. So just, I mean, you, you can't even you can't finish that sentence without laughing. Just well done. Well done for all the thank years you put so in to get much. yourself here. Wow. Thank you so much. Big up Jesus. Big up my family, <laughs> my friends. I mean, I mean, nobody does it by themselves for sure. So thank you so much, Nina. And thank you for having me. It means a lot. Dope Black Moms. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Mums private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Mums on Facebook. 
Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Mums. Thanks so much for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.